If you would, turn in your Bible to Jeremiah 23. The title of my message is The Hammer of the Lord. So I want you to immediately start using your imagination. I mean, no, the Bible is a lot more exciting when you have an imagination. So you should be picturing Thor right now, the giant hammer, right? And you can have my face on there if you want. But it's the hammer of the Lord. Uh, just before I get in my message here, too, I want to mention this. Um, um, how many have ever read the story in the Bible where it talks about um, the battle that's um, taking place on the battlefield and Moses is praying and as his hands are raised, they are winning. And when his hands go down, they lose. Hands go back up, they're winning. And they actually go and prop his arms up and they win the battle, right? Uh, this air conditioner and heating unit truly is kind of like that. We, we started praying because it was on its last leg and we were going to replace it. And so we were just praying and uh, doing the actions we needed to take to repair it because we needed to repair it. And then in the process of repairing it, in the process of praying, uh, you know, for getting the finances to replace it, uh, an act of God occurred and lightning completely knocked it out. So then everything changed. It was a working unit, just didn't work great. And then the insurance came in and, 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 and the building... Uh, the man that leases the building to us said, "Hey, we're gonna insurance is gonna cover that," and both insurance companies said they would cover that. And then they started fighting over who would cover it. And he called me this week, and he said, "I'm." He was so sad. He's worked so hard on this, and he's he's been trying really hard to get it covered. And they said it would be covered. He said, "I'm sorry." He said, "They're not gonna cover that." And so he left me a message to call him back. So um, my heart, and I hope yours is the same way when you do your personal finances, my heart was, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. You know, if God wanted to give me the cash, he could give me the cash. If he wanted to pay for it, he'd pay for it. Otherwise, he'll give me this, the, the strength and the grace to, to pay that bill, right? not worried about it. But I started praying about it. I said, God, you know, do what you want to do. And I prayed for the next couple of hours about it. And uh, he called me back. And he said, you're not going to believe this. I've been on the phone with the building owner for about an hour. And he wants to buy you guys a new unit. So he said, I haven't spent money in the building for a while. And he even told me, he said, you know, you guys are really good tenants. He said, I think I might even want to, you know, really replace that roof. (laughs) So... So I don't know that, uh, you know, what's going to happen, but I do know this when it just seems like every time I start praying over that issue, uh, God moves. And then when I stop, it goes back the way it was. And so I believe that God would like to bless us uh, in that area. He told me that the owner just had to clear a few things and he's going to buy a unit. So, and he said, that's a 12 and a half ton unit. And, uh, he said he'd like to buy a 16 ton. I said, well, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm happy with anything, but a 16 ton would be more appropriate for us. So so let's pray, if you would. Let, let, let's bow our head. Let's pray over this issue. Because uh, how many like air conditioning? Can I get some A? I've never had that much response. Never had that much response. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray over this unit, Lord God. Father, we pray that your will would be done, Lord God. Lord, I feel like you want to bless this church, Lord. 
I pray right now against the enemy, Lord God. I pray that you would uh, see this thing uh, to its completion, Lord God. Father, let us celebrate and have a testimony, Lord. Oh, Father, we are submitted to you, Lord God. We ask that you intervene and touch this church, Lord God. Touch this air conditioning and heating unit, Lord God. And uh, Lord, I, I pray that you bring healing to it, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. Praise the Lord. You know you're spiritual when you pray healing over your air conditioning unit and heating, all right? Praise the Lord. The hammer of the Lord. <clears throat> Jeremiah twenty-one or 23, verses 25 through 29. It says, I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy what? Lies in my name. They say, I have had a dream, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think the dreams that they tell one another will make my people forget my name, just as their ancestors forgot my name through bell worship. Let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream. Let the one who has my word. So he's differentiating here between the ones that were not hearing from God and the ones that heard his words. Heard very clearly what he was saying. And he said, Let them speak the word faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord, is not my word like... This is a simile. He's using a... Uh, an example here to explain what his word is like. He said, my word is like fire, declares the Lord, and it's like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, anoint your word, Lord God. Make me disappear, Lord. Let me speak it faithfully, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Several years ago, it's probably been 20 years ago, and uh, my, my real good friend Brian Dardine is here this morning, and it's not because of this message, but it just happens to be a story that I had already had in my notes this morning. And uh, uh, Brian, wait right, real quick, real real close friend of mine for many years, and his daughters, Alyssa and Claire, and I, I, their faces are kind of red this morning, that's okay. <laughs> no, you're not shy though, are you? That's okay, okay. About 20 years ago, you may remember, we were getting ready to preach a youth revival. And um, one of the ministers on the platform, and I think I told you this the first week I came here, um, he gave me a uh, prophetic word. And he just laid hands on me, and I really had met him for the first time. And uh, he laid hands on me, and, and, and he began to prophesy. And whenever I get a prophetic word that's directional, I usually just keep it within myself. I want to contemplate it and really feel toward whether he's confirming that word or whether it was just a prophetic word that was off track. And I do that every time there's a prophetic word, and you should too. And so I've contemplated that word, and I've found it in my life to be true. And God has had 20 years uh, to help me contemplate that word to really think about what that means and what God is telling me through that word. But he laid hands on me and he quoted a scripture that said, you are my war club. In fact, it's in um, Jeremiah chapter 51. It says, 
New International Version, you are my war club, my weapon of battle. With you I will shatter nations, with you I will destroy kingdoms. Uh, King James says, thou art my battle axe and my weapon of war. For with thee I will break in pieces nations, with thee I will destroy kingdoms. And he said, Chad, remember that you are his war club. And I was like, war club, battle axe. You know, what does that, what does this mean? And you say, well, is that a word that's just special to you? Well, yeah, in a way, because I found it to be true in my life. But you know, that is a message to everybody that calls themselves a believer. And God is going to expound today on what that means, what it means by the um, hammer of God. And so as we get into this, how many know that a hammer, if you... um, If you have a toolbox full of tools, very few tools are better than a hammer. How many think that's true? If you voted on the greatest tool in your toolbox, it probably, and maybe the most used tool, is that hammer. And anybody use a hammer on a regular basis, you know exactly what hammer you like. Is that true? You know exactly which one you like. So it's a very um, useful tool. But did you ever think about this? The Bible mentions four different kinds of hammers. And you say, well, wait a minute. There are a bunch of different hammers. I may know that a jackhammer is a hammer. It's just a super-powered, supernatural hammer that breaks up concrete and foundations. I mean, it's a motorized hammer. Pow, pow. Pow, it's like older man. It's breaking things up that uh you couldn't do it with a sledgehammer. But it's a or you couldn't do it with a you know just a regular manual sledgehammer, you'd have to have that jackhammer to break it up. Then there's a sledgehammer. How many have ever used a sledgehammer? And man, if you've worked on that sledgehammer all day, you know it, don't you? I mean you get out there with that sledgehammer and you're just pounding away with it, it don't seem like you're getting very far, but eventually you do, right? And there's just all kinds of different Hammers. And here it says a specific kind. It says, My word is like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. And I'm going to give you a little background to this story. Why is this something that Jeremiah is even talking about here? Remember the background of this scripture is, False prophets have come, and they're saying things to my people that are not true. This is a period of time, in fact, Jeremiah grew up just northeast of Jerusalem. And the place that he grew up, he could actually see the city of Jerusalem from where he grew up at. And as he was a little boy, maybe six or seven years old, there was a king um, that was over uh, uh, Judah, Jerusalem. This is uh, There was a separation. There was the southern part of uh, Israel and there's the northern part of Israel. In 722, the Assyrians um, destroyed the northern part of Israel. And then in 586, eventually, the southern part of Israel was destroyed. Uh, this is a period of time before the destruction of the southern kingdom. And what's happening is the society that they live in is just breaking apart at the foundations. These people have become so wicked, and one of the primary reasons they became so wicked is a king named Manasseh. 
And when Jeremiah was a little boy, he witnessed firsthand Manasseh's destruction of their culture. In fact, they were a vassal state, which means they weren't destroyed by the Assyrians, but they kind of served, um, they gave tribute to the Assyrian government. Well, Manasseh did a whole lot more than that. Manasseh, rather than just being a vassal state to the Assyrians, um, Manasseh actually took the gods of the Assyrians and put them in the temple of God. He put fertility gods in there. And you say, well, wait a minute, that's not that big of a deal. He put prostitutes in the temple of God. Prostitutes in the temple of God. Did I say that clear? That's shocking. This man was wicked. I mean, he was filthy wicked. And the society also was very wicked. Everybody was doing their own thing and God's judgment was, um, it was brewing. In fact, he says later it was like a, uh, it was like a cyclone. It was like a storm that was hovering over them, he said. And God is just broken hearted. God just keeps telling these people, I want to be close to you. He mentions, you know, I'm like a husband who just wants to love his wife. I'm like a dad who just loves his child. And he tells one story that's really interesting. I think it's Jeremiah 13. He says, I'm like, this is a, this is a funny story, don't laugh. He, he tells the prophet to go down and find a piece of uh, loincloth, like a real tight-fitting piece of loincloth. It's like a pair of underwear. Okay, and he says, brand new spanking new pair of underwear. You know, whitey tidies, I'm sure. He said, put them on. And they fit really nice and felt really good and and just really cling to him. It was important that they cling to him. He said, now take those and go put them outdoors and let them sit there for a long period of time. And then go find them again. And then try to put them on. And he said, and what the prophet found was it was rotten. It was useless. He said, I had no use to it anymore. And he said, that's what my people are. And, he, and the reason why he told him to get the pair of underwear was because it was an intimate uh, article of clothing. And he said, I want my people to cling to me. They were, they were made, he said, to cling to me like that garment. You understand what his, his heart is here? The temple was about to be destroyed. That temple represents you. It means the presence of God was no longer going to have a place. He said that these people won't forget their jewelry. They won't forget to make themselves look nice. He said, but they've forgotten me days without number. And he's just repeatedly talking about his presence. And he's talking about how he desired to have a people that had use. And that use was, I want to know you. I want to be close to you. I want you to be like my child. I want you to be like my, 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 my married partner. He said, I love these people. And he keeps going over and over about how much he loves them. But they've forgotten him. They don't want to be in his presence. They don't care about his presence. There's no need for his presence anymore. And they've they've walked away from God's presence. How many know this place is going to be a place of God's presence? This is going to be a place of all places in this whole area. This will be a place where we seek the presence of God because that's what He desires. There's a lot of things going on in churches that God does not desire. But He desires this to be a place of His presence. 
And that's what he's crying out for in the book of Jeremiah. But he says something unusual under this response with Jeremiah. They're prophesying lies. They're telling the people that, um, in fact, if you read the verses before that, um, literally saying, verse 16, it says, Don't listen to the words of the prophets that prophesy to you. Turn there if you would. Jeremiah 23. Now, how do you apply what I'm getting ready to tell you? As sure as I'm standing in this pulpit, there will be preachers that will sound and talk just like these false prophets. They're going to do the same thing today that they did then. God was crying out to know them. God was trying to cry out to bring them back to Him. And and He was frustrated with these false prophets. Verse 16, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They're they're filling you with false hopes. They speak vision from their own mind, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying, listen to this, they keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord, you will have peace. People that wanted nothing to do with God, the religious people were saying, you have peace. Everything will be okay. Everything's going to be wonderful. And they just kept prophesying peace. They would prophesy um, things that did not come from God. Now remember, over their head, and you'll see it here in a second. Let me go on. They speak from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying, those who despise me, you will have peace. To all who follow the stubbornness of their heart, they say, there will be no harm that will come to you. But which of them has stood in my counsel? Wow. Did you hear that? Which one of them have actually heard me talk? Which one has been in my presence? Which one is hearing the word of the Lord? That's what I'm asking you today. That's the application of this. Which of God's ministers are hearing from the Lord? And the Lord's saying, decide today who is who is hearing from the Lord. <clears throat> Go on. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or to hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? See, and I say, look, the storm of the Lord will burst out in wrath. A whirlwind is swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back. Do you see this? How many could feel today that there's a swirling over this world? Now what is God thinking through this whole thing? I love you. I love you. I want you to turn to me. I want you to get close to me. I want to be intimate with you. But the reality is, judgment is swirling. In fact, it would be a few short years that this city would be ransacked and destroyed because of their sins. Their sins. And it's swirling over their heads. But here are all these preachers, what are they saying? Peace. Peace. Everything's going to be all right. There's no harm. We don't have to 
close to God. We don't have to get in God's presence. God kept saying all through these early parts of Jeremiah, repent and I'll turn back my wrath. Repent and I'll turn back my wrath. I don't want this to happen. I don't want this to happen. And he kept begging them to get in his presence. He kept begging them to want to be with him. And then, it goes on here and it says, The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. In days to come you will understand it clearly. I will not send these prophets, yet they have run to you with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they have stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways, from their evil deeds. And then go down to 25, he says, I heard what the prophets prophesied. And then that's when he says, my word is like a hammer. Now, isn't this strange? Why would God say that in response to the lies? My word is like a hammer. He says, my word is like a hammer and it shatters big rocks. So God is trying to show us here something about a certain kind of hammer. What kind of hammer is it? This is like a big, rough hammer that breaks rocks. How many have ever broke rock with a sledgehammer? How many have ever hit rock with a sledgehammer and it didn't do a thing? You might have heard of the, um, it's called the Stonemason's Creed. How many have ever heard that? My uh, son knows this one. He may not know it, but he does. How many have heard of the San Antonio Spurs? They have built their franchise, probably one of the most successful basketball teams in the NBA. I mean, they've been more successful than just about anybody. They built their entire program on the Stone Stone Cutter's Creed. And my son's basketball team have adopted that. It's called Pound the Rock. And what their creed was is, when you want to do something and you want to be great at it, just take the stone cutter's creed. Listen to this. When nothing seems to help, I go and I look at the stone cutters hammering away at the rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundredth and first blow, it will split in two. I know it was not that blow that did it, but it was all the ones that had gone before. You hear what God's trying to say? God is calling us to be relentless with the Word of God. In fact, there's so many things, like what, what, the, what was missing from the gospel of the false prophets, and listen to this very clearly, their gospel had no teeth. Their gospel did not address the sins. Their gospel was a soft gospel. It was a gospel that said, come in and be comfortable. Come in and nothing's ever going to go wrong. Come in and just stay the way you are and never change. And the gospel that I preach and the gospel that God was looking for was the gospel that said this gospel changes. It has power of God into salvation and it changes. 
And we've got churches all over this country. They're saying, stay exactly the way you are. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying God will change you. We'll take you as you are. But we're here to change. And there's nothing in this... This stone represents the law. And then, you know, the people that used to preach this gospel would preach the law. And you say, man, I don't want to hear it. Don't talk about the law. But the law leaves you helpless. The law leaves you condemned. How many know that? The law leaves you a sinner. And without the law, how would I ever know that I needed God? How would I ever know that I needed His presence? How would I ever know that I needed to cry out to God? How would I ever know it? If I never failed and I never had to change, why would I need God in my life? And the old preachers used to preach the law. And then when the grace came, they could accept it. You say, well, what does that mean to me? It means, let me get it down to earth. You're addicted to pornography. Why don't you be a little more blunt, Esther? He's talking about breaking up a mountain. How do I break the mountain up? It's a stonecutter's creed. The first one's not going to look like it did anything. The second one might not do anything. The third one might not do anything. And what God's saying is the Word of God is like that. How many times have you prayed over it? Just keep pounding the rock. Keep on breaking it. My Word of God is like a, like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces. You said, I fell. I can't beat it. Keep pounding the rock. There's nothing in this world. In fact, the rock represented Babylon. Babylon was going to be destroyed. That's the world. That's the world in you. Babylon was going to be destroyed by the hammer of the Lord. And what God is saying is there's nothing in this world that the Word of God will not destroy, but you've got to be relentless. You've got to be relentless. You say, that's just the way you are. That's not the way you are. You say, I've got a drug problem. Pound the rock. You say, I've got a sickness. God promises healing. Pound the rock. He says, if there was a wicked judge... And you came before this wicked judge and you were persistent. He said, even the wicked judge would show you mercy. And what God is saying is, the word of God is like a hammer. Now, how does that relate to me and my ministry? God called me to be a hammer. You say, well, what does that mean? That means when you come into the house of God... Anything that's not desirable to God, I'm going to give you a real word. Not because I hate you, because I love you. What are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about how often you give up. That's what I'm talking about right now. Quit giving up. Quit giving up. God did not call us to be quitters. God didn't call us to wallow in self um, pity parties. God didn't call us. He called us to be victorious. He said, be persistent. If a basketball team can be persistent and keep pounding the rock to be good at basketball, how much more can we do it to kick pornography? How much more can we do it to kick drug addiction? How much more can we do it to kick gossip? 
And what God is asking for first is for a hammer of the Word of God, a Word of God that has teeth, a Word of God that has some bite. Quit looking at evangelists that smile all the time and say, Peace. 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 The Word of God will bring peace, but you need a hammer first. What does the hammer do? You've got things in you that the enemy has built. It's called the work of the enemy. You say, no, not me. I'm a Christian. You keep giving up because of the enemy. You keep wallowing in self-doubt because of the enemy. You don't know who you are because of the enemy. The enemy has made you afraid and fearful. The enemy has made you have doubts. The enemy has made you have pride. The enemy has made you have anger. And man, something inside of me says, hammer away, brother. Hammer away. How many want that? How many want the Word of God to hammer it away? And if you don't, because you don't understand what He's doing. He said, well, I thought everything God was doing was to make me comfortable and to have peace and prosperity and There is a world that is war. And God is preparing you to do work. A hammer is a tool of work. How many know that? You have a hammer, you better be ready to work. Quit carrying a hammer around. You ever seen the guy that's on the job site with a brand new hammer? I could promise you he hasn't done anything. Right? That hammer's made to be uh, scuffed up a little bit. He said, man, look at the beautiful handle on this hammer. Look how pretty it is. Well, go and look at the guy that's doing all the work. His hammer's scuffed up and it's scarred up and it's beat up. Go look for a sledgehammer that looks new. You haven't done anything with it. Look for a mall that looks new. You haven't split a single piece of wood. God is preparing us for greatness. He's going to bless our lives. We're going to have peace. We're going to have joy. We're going to overflow with love, but only as much as we're useful in the presence of God. How many know the example we said was the underwear was useless? You ever been to church and we called useless underwear? That's what I'm calling. Sorry. I mean, no, this message is because I love you. This message is because we have rough edges that need to be destroyed. This message is because we have foundations that need to be broken up. What's a foundation? That's the root of your thinking. God wants you to stand strong. He wants foundations to be broken. Sledgehammer. Jackhammer. You know you can break a foundation up with a jackhammer? I'll tell you a really good hammer. Wrecking ball. We're talking demolition here, right? Demolition. Now what possibly can be good about demolition? Maybe that God's preparing to build something great there. But I don't want to let go of that. Man, I want to still go out and party. I still, I mean, I, I want to keep my drugs. You know, I want to keep my pornography. You ever think maybe if God got rid of the pornography, you could actually love? 
Like maybe if he tears away the bad, he builds something good. Like if he tears away the doubt and the low self-esteem, you say, well, that's just who I am. He wants to tear it out. He wants to give you confidence that comes only in the Lord, and he wants to demolish the... But I like my fear. It helps me. He wants to take away the fear because the replacement is faith. God wants you to have a word that makes you change, makes you get transformed. So the first kind of hammer is the hammer that destroys. It's destructive. It's destruction with this hammer. We've got to welcome that hammer. And here's the cool thing we're going to notice as we go along here. First of all, the Word of God is a hammer. The Word of God is a hammer. That's separate from you, right? But by the time you're done with each hammer, you become the hammer. That means I, He is in me and I am in Him. The Word finds a place in me and I become that hammer. That means I can tear down things. I can tear down strongholds. I can tear down strongholds. I can tear strongholds in my life because I'm relentless. Because I don't back down. I don't give up. I don't wallow in self-pity. I move forward and the enemy cannot stop me. It might be the hundred and first blow but I'm going to keep pounding until it's destroyed. How many are that relentless in your faith? But you become that tool. You walk into your home, and guess what you are? I am God's most valuable tool. Because I have the authority to destroy the work of the enemy. I have the, the ability to destroy strongholds. God has given me that authority, and we're going to see that in a minute. It's really a cool thing that's going to happen here. The next thing, the second hammer. Isn't it amazing that the hammers destroy? But what is the number one construction tool? If you're going to frame a house, what are you going to grab first? I'm going to grab my hammer, right? Okay, I'm sorry. Some of you are going to grab your... Uh, your uh, your air hammer, okay. Same same difference, okay. Follow me. But when God starts putting this back together, this is where they also lost their teeth and their gospel was worthless. And why God was so mad. Because God wanted to build a house for Himself. And the way that He builds a house for Himself is by the Word of God. And these people did not want to know the Word of God. They didn't know what God had to say for their life. They didn't want to find out how God wanted to build it. He said, he that builds his house with God, nothing's going to wipe it out. Let me read you a few scriptures here. I should look at my notes more. These are good notes. 
Ephesians 2, 19 to 22 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. You're built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets. What is the foundation of the apostles and prophets? The teaching that Jesus gave them, right? The word of God is the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. It says you are a building fitly framed together, growing into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you are builded together as a habitation for God through the Spirit. Wow. You think about that? God wants to build a building that is a habitation for God, fitly framed together, and he's talking about the church. That means God wants to destroy some things and he's going to pull out the same tool and he's going to begin to build. But in order to build a house that is suitable, we have to be obedient to the word of God. We have to very closely follow, how am I going to build my family? I'm going to build my family on a foundation that will last. I'm going to build this with good materials. I'm going to take this hammer, which is what? The Word of God. And he says, I'm going to take the materials and we're going to fitly frame it together. And it's going to be a habitation for God. Psalm 112.1 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, but delights greatly in his commandments. Did you hear that? Commandments at the Old Testament, isn't it? I want to be a guy that greatly, I mean, I'm like excited about God's commandments. I'm excited about the Word of God. I'm excited about found, uh, foundations built on God. How about this one? Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, whosoever hears the sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man that's built his house on a rock. Rain descended and floods came. Wow. How many have ever had rain descend and floods come into your life? Well, if I'm built on the Word of God and the wind blew and it beat upon my house and it fell not because it was founded on a rock, that means they're going to come through, they're going to blow, they're going to try to uh, destroy your faith, going to try to destroy your attitude, going to try to destroy all these things. And what God said is, Trust in my word, build your house upon a rock, and you will thrive in those situations. God will cause you to be a... He'll build something that's able to withstand anything this world has to throw at you. Luke 1, 50 says, And His mercy is on them that... And from generation to generation. Psalm 145, He will fulfill the desires of those who fear Him. He will also hear their cry and save them. So God not only wants to destroy all these bad things in your life, God wants you to have a life that is strong, that can't be touched by the things of this world. How many believe that? The third hammer. This one's really interesting. The hammer of death. Wow, that sounds like a wrestling move. How many think that sounds like a wrestling move? The hammer of death. I think I put my brother in that a few times, didn't I? The hammer of death. Yeah, I, at some point, I think I've used that move before. <clears throat> but 
How many remember the time? You guys remember the time that God came to this earth and you personally crucified Him? Do you remember that? Do you remember having that hammer and those four nails and you put it into His feet and man, you could just hear Him squirming as you, as you beat Him into the ground? Because you do know that our sins did that to Him. And this hammer is a hammer of death. It's a hammer of death. It's like, do I relate to that? Because I did do it. I am responsible for that. You say, well, I'm not responsible. I've never killed God. Really? Because there are times in my life I shook my fist to God and He was dead to me. God, you're dead to me. Want anything to do with you, God? And he says that we personally did that. Him. These people in this story here personally did not want God at all. They had no place for God. God was dead to them. And there's something about this gospel that has to hammer. Something there has to do with crucifixion and death. Everybody wants to be a part of the resurrection, but nobody wants to say my sin. Sent him there. My sins were important. They sent God to the cross. It's a, it's a hammer of instruction. Okay, you stand there and you begin to realize that God, this sin thing, you loved me so much. These messages about his love, they're real. He's saying, yeah, all these bad things are happening in the world, but I died for you. You personally put the nails in my hands and feet, but I loved you so much. I don't want bad things to happen to you. I want to bless your life. I want good things to happen to you. And you say, well, why are all these bad things happening to me? I love God too. And God gives the answer. Turn to. I don't know where that's at. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Because the Lord reproves those He loves as a father does in the son that He delights. I'm going to get disciplined by the Lord. In fact, Jeremiah Jeremiah comes back and complains to God. He said, they're treating me really bad. They're really um, doing things to me that they shouldn't do. Why do you allow them to do these things to me? And he says, Jeremiah... He says, if you have not been able to outrun another person that you have raced on foot, how are you ever going to compete with horses? Strange thing, isn't it? If you stumble in a country that has level ground or a safe country, how will you manage when there are thickets by the Jordan? What's God trying to tell him? It's like I'm trying this hammer that God is delivering here. He's trying to make you strong. He's trying to prepare you for what is coming. But every time something comes, what do we do? Jeremiah was complaining and the judgment hadn't even came yet. He said, Jeremiah, you can't even run and outrun a man and I need you to outrun a horse. He said, you can't even walk when it's level ground 
and I'm preparing you to walk through thick brush. And what I'm saying is, God is preparing you. He's saying, you see that hammer that's in your hand? You see the hammer that you crucified your Lord with? I'm expecting you to die the same way He did. He said, crucify yourself daily. He said, I'm going to do something great in you. You're going to outrun horses. You're going to be able to walk through any terrain, anything that's thick. This is a hammer of instruction. Your Lord loves you. He's got you on a mission. He's trying to make you great. He's trying to make you so strong that nothing affects you. I can walk through anything. My face is like a piece of flint. I am on a mission. I'm doing what God has called me to do in this world. And when that's done, I'm going to be with Him. God has made you like a piece of flint. He's saying, take the hammer, nail them in your hands every day, and die to yourself. That's so much different than the message of the prophets that were false. They were saying, you're great. Everything's wonderful. You're perfect. Don't change at all. Stay the way you are. God was saying, no. The plans I have for you are really, really big. Really big. But if you can't outrun a man, you can handle that. How are you going to do the things I've called you to do? How are you going to be great in me if you complain every time something gets a little out of whack? You say, no, that I'm a father disciplining a son. I'm preparing my son for life. Now, what kind of son would reject that and say, God, the father is terrible? You know, some understand it at the moment. But everything you tell them and everything you do, is if you're a good father, is to try to make them ready. And I promise you today, God is trying to make you strong. You're going to need that strength. You're going to need that foundation. You're going to need that Word of God that is a hammer in your life. And you're going to have to someday say, it's not about me, it's about Him. I'm going to have to nail those nails into my own hands. I'm going to have to crucify myself daily because God wants to do something great in the world around me. It's not about you. But, Pastor, prosperity, it is all about me. It says they will come with messages that tickle the ears. People will come and they will want you to itch. And, oh man, you ever had an itch on your back? Oh man, who's that? Oh man, it feels so good. Oh, the cross of Christ. Oh, man. Oh, right there, yeah. Oh, yeah, life's going to be perfect. cross of Christ makes a really good scratching post. Only problem is, his guts were falling out of his body when he was beaten on it. You know, we nailed him into the cross. He died for a reason. He had a mission. That's not my itching post. That's not to make me feel better. So wait a minute, it's all about me. No, it wasn't even all about Jesus when he was here. You want to be happy, you want to be joyful, you want to be peaceful, give it all to God. Give it all to God. You go through something, praise God. It's going to be over soon. I'm not going to be here forever, right? Praise the Lord. God wants to bless you with every blessing, but we have to crucify our flesh. And that is not a popular message. Not popular. Here's the one that's the most exciting. 
Did you know a war club is a kind of hammer? The war club. It says, I will make you my war club. And people have wrestled with what is Jeremiah's hammer here in the war club? They said, is this Babylon? Is this uh, Cyrus the Great? Or is this Israel? Whatever it is, it seems very apparent that this war club is going to destroy Babylon. And some people say it's Daniel 2 when it says Jesus will come and He'll shatter every other kingdom that's been before and He will establish His kingdom. God told me I'm going to be a war club. So God has taken me from having a hammer in my life. Think about this. Before the Word of God was the hammer. Now I'm the hammer in God's hand. And He's doing battle. And He's not just shattering kingdoms. He's shattering farmers. He's shattering common people. In fact, if you look at that verse, it says a whole list of things that are being shattered by God's war club. And he says he's just marching forward. And it's this big. Let me read what it is here. This is from an encyclopedia. It says, A heavy metal weapon, often with a spiked head, it is a club scepter or a mace. It's a kind of mallet. I mean, this is a big, ugly bludgeoning tool, right? And it says, I will make you my war club, and you will go into battle and you will shatter everything that is Babylon. And I started looking at this and I thought, man, open commentary and it said, Israel is now to be Jehovah's hammer, striking down everything in the Babylonian Colossus. But though Babylon may be great and as destructive as a volcanic mountain, because Babylon was actually called God's hammer. And as you read forward a little bit, here's a big hammer destroying the little hammer. <laughs> okay? How many know the world is a hammer? In Jeremiah 50, it says Babylon, Babylon is a hammer destroying everybody. How many know that drug use is destroying the world around us? But God said He's got a bigger hammer that's going to wipe out the smaller hammer. God says He's going to make us a hammer in His hand and there's nothing that's going to stand in our way. That means when I'm right with God, I'm in the presence of God, I'm hearing His Word, this is God's answer. I'm going to restore you by putting you in my hand and you will be my war club. Now I started reading more and I thought, well, that's interesting. I'm a big, ugly, spike club. Amen. Somebody say amen. <laughs> it goes on. Here's where it gets interesting. Did you notice that said, my battle axe or my mace, it said this is more accurately not an axe, it is a mace. Like, well, that's interesting. What's a mace scepter? Anybody know? What's a mace scepter? Okay, now get this. A ceremonial mace is a highly ornamental staff carried before a sovereign king or other high official at a civic ceremony, and there is a mace bearer. It represents the authority of the king. 
The mace is used today in almost every country, England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, Ireland. It is a scepter. Did you know the sovereign king carries a scepter and it's a decorated war club? A decorated war club. Now, what implications does this make? What it means is that king has established his authority by winning the battle. And because he won the battle, the procession of the mace or the scepter shows that he has won the victory. So everywhere that king goes before he enters, the mace, there's special ceremonies on how the mace should come in. There are Congress and Senates that enter with the mace, and it symbolizes the power and the authority of that kingdom. Now let me go back here, because the Spirit should have already predicted this to you. You are my mace. You are my scepter. You are the one who bears the authority, and you have the victory. The victory has been won when I was on that cross... The implications of that cross are when I was on that cross, I won a battle. My heavy club went through and I destroyed every work of the enemy. I destroyed the enemy. And I came back and they decorated this thing in my hand and that thing is you and you are the authority and the power and the glory of my kingdom. You're in my hand when people that mace, they realize there is authority there. He says... Go through, and you are, this is a prophecy of Jesus, and it says you're going to go through, and you're going to have the authority of my kingdom. You are my war club. He said, when you get a hold of my presence, and you get a hold of what I'm offering here, you will shatter the world. And it's not people, it's the enemy. There's an enemy of drug addiction, there's an enemy um, uh, in world that's destroying families. There's all of this work of the enemy. And God says, I have given you the authority. When the enemy looks at that mace, when he looks at that scepter, he remembers that the victory has already been won. Your victory over pornography has already been won. These victories have been won. You say, well, why have I not seen it? Because you have to be Relentless. His people are relentless. We pound the rock. We don't get down. If the Spurs can be good because they don't give up and they're relentless, how much more can we? The Spirit of God has made us relentless. The Spirit of God has made us powerful. The Spirit of God has made us have authority over the world. And that should change us. And what the prophets were preaching was a toothless gospel that had no bite. And Jeremiah was saying, that's not our gospel. Praise the Lord. Rise to your feet.